What is up, guys, and welcome back to the Sweat It Out podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, and we're definitely excited about this one. All the way in San Diego, he's a serial entrepreneur, crypto investor, and venture capitalist, and you've probably seen him, probably seen him on uh, as a shark on Shark Tank. Guys, help us welcome the one and only Vinny Lingham. How's it going? Hey, guys. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Pleasure yeah, to have man. you, man. It's, uh, we've definitely been looking forward to this one. And, and, brother, just to, you know, the way we always like to start on the pod, you know, give us a little bit of, of your background of how you got to be a, uh, an entrepreneurial, an investor, and, and getting into this crypto space that, you know, everybody loves now. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I started my career 20 years ago and uh, starting companies back then. I started my first search marketing company uh, in the early days of Google and search taking off. And then I moved into software as a service uh, in about 2007. And then in 2012, I, uh, I started a company called Gift, which is a mobile payments company. Uh, and then we became one of the biggest Bitcoin websites in the world and apps. And people could buy gift cards using Bitcoins. We kind of took off. We sold it to First Data the world's largest payments company um, in 2014 before they went they IPO'd. Um, stuck with them for about a year and a half afterwards and then started Civic, uh, which is a blockchain-based identity company. Um, you know, we're, we've been building infrastructure and tech around decentralized identity, decentralized identifiers, all the kind of unsexy stuff we've been doing all hard work for years and trying to build that up. Um, but, you know, we're getting there. I think we're getting to the point where we realize the importance of decentralized identity. Um, but I stepped down from Silica CEO last year. I'm still the chairman. Um, we've got a great team. They're executing us as per plan. And um, yeah, and now I'm just you know doing a whole bunch of investing. I joined Multicoin Capital as a general partner in 2017, and um, you know helped raise capital uh, and invest in the ecosystem. Um, you know did deals like Solana, and mm -hmm. Multicoin's had a great portfolio of crypto investments as well. So you know it, it's just been great to be part of the ecosystem and you know doing a small bit here and there. Um, a very very much. I'd say a very prolific angel investor, um, hundreds of crypto companies uh, in particular, but other startups as well, FinTech mainly. Um, yeah, and I guess that's it. That's like my, the short version. I can dig into details there. Um, yeah, I, I love that. And well, people know you a lot for the Shark Tank. How's that experience been in your career and how much do you enjoy being there and listening to these uh, startups coming up to you guys? Yeah, it's been, it's been great. I mean, like, so I'm on the Shark Tank South African series. Um, so people in South Africa know me as the Shark Tank guy. People in the U.S., not really. I mean, you may see the profile, but you wouldn't already see me on TV. Uh, it hasn't been syndicated this side of the world yet. But uh, it's fine. When I go back to South Africa, I try to help. It's, it's less technically sophisticated um, as a country uh, than the U.S., obviously, especially California. But, uh, you know, there's, there's some good tech opportunities there. Most of my investing on Shark Tank happens non-tech, which isn't always a good thing. <laughs> I don't really know much about non-tech stuff, but, you know, uh, investing in some cool stuff like an online florist, et cetera, um, uh, in South Africa. And I have a venture capital firm in South Africa, which Newtown Partners, which invests um, in South Africa. And we, we do a ton of non-internet non investments, more logistics focused there as well. But it's kind of a broad spectrum of things. And I think the Shark Tank experience is really cool because you get to you know, meet a lot of interesting startups and, and, and entrepreneurs. And you, you know, it's, it, it's more the, the experience of being on set like 8 to 12 hours a day, Ooh. just listening to, listening to pitches. I mean, when you watch Shark Tank and you see 
uh, you know, a 15 minute pitch. That was an hour and a half, probably, which got edited down into 15 minutes. So, you know, it's a lot more complicated than people think on the back end. Do you have to buy the company, well, invest in the companies that you uh, select within the, the Shark Tank? Is that mandatory or no? No, you, you do due diligence, and if they fail diligence, you cancel the deal. Um, so okay, that's good. I'd say about 40 to 50% of the deals go through. Because um, what happens is the entrepreneurs come in and say, oh, we're making $2 million this year in revenue. And you go there and you're like, no, you made one. Well, we had one good month and you multiplied 150 by 12, you get closer to two. I'm like, no. And then the valuations are, and then things fall apart. Or, or like, oh, you know, we actually don't own the IP yet. It's kind of licensed by somebody else. And now you're like, no, we can't do that either. So uh, there's a lot of unsophisticated entrepreneurs out there. And when you put them into like the tank, you know, you don't really have time to go through all the details. And then when you dig in afterwards, you find that. <laughs> so I, I'd say, you know, a fair portion of the deals go through, but I'd say more, probably more than half don't. So, so Vinny, I got to ask you, being a shark on the shark tank, you know, and even an investor, an investor outside of there, what do you look for in businesses to be a, a credible business to invest in? Like, what are your criteria that you would say this, 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 and this, those are very good green flags for me to invest in this business? I know we start with, you know, the people, like the, like the entrepreneur, I think they, I think they're smart and savvy and understand their business. And then I go on to, well, what's the market opportunity? So if you come to me and you say, hey, I'm going to sell ink cartridges, I'm like, that's just so done. You know, it's not interesting as an angel investor. Yeah, you might build a nice ink cartridge build business, but it's a very commoditized business. It's like, you know, cutthroat margins. Like, I don't like those businesses. I like businesses where, hey, we're building this new thing. No one's ever seen this before. We know how to do it. This is the market opportunity. This is how big it could get. And, um, you know, so I, like, I do a lot of frontier tech investments, which is basically things which aren't really mainstream yet. And may, may never become mainstream, like Metaverse and Web3 and you know, all the buzzwords are kind of emerging, but no one's really using this stuff at, at scale. And that's just something that interests me. Um, you know, I, I like getting ahead of where the market's going, and I don't mind being wrong, uh, because when I'm right, the payoff covers all of the wrongs. Mm. And do you have, so you, you were speaking about decentralized identity. Are you creating something within the metaverse to help people create their identity and solidify it? Well, so Civic, uh, Civic has a, a nonprofit sort of uh, partner we created called identity.com. And we've been working very hard on W3C standards around decentralized identifiers, DIDs, and just the whole ecosystem around you know, verifiable credentials, self-sovereign identity, um, you know, and how it plays in. So I think Civic is definitely working on applications and tools that people can use. We have the Civic Pass, which you can use for, uh, you know, permission DEXs, et cetera. The space is very new and early, but a lot of the hard work around the protocol and around um, the standards for the industry have been sort of been working on for six, seven years now. Uh, and I think we're getting to a point now in the next 12 to 18 months, we're going to see digital identity really take off because as you can tell, there's a huge need for it. <laughs> you know, the, the, the Russian-Ukraine war is a good example. It's, uh, you know, this is bringing digital identity to the forefront. Where, where do you really see this space evolving and disrupting with? Like where, where do you see it, let's say five, 10, 15 years from now? Crypto or 
identity or what? Yeah, I would say the, the, uh, the whole the like, crypto the space, crypto the blockchain. Space. Yeah, the blockchain space. You know, if you take the view that in history, there's always, remember a new industry merge, there's tons of players and then it always consolidates to a few big players. In theory, that's what could happen here and should happen here. But the difference here is you can't like MA tokens. So you can't merge those entities. So you have all these like disparate ecosystems running. And what we've seen historically is a lot of these things just don't die. Like you've still got these old coins from, you know, 2014 and 2017 that's still around, but there's no teams working on it and they still trade. And it's kind of like, what do you do? Um, and then you see the winners kind of copy each other, fork the code, you know, um, like it's 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 a it's a weird environment because everything's open source and there's no real it's like there's no real um there is ip but it's easily copyable in the space so I, I don't know the answer i don't know how this plays out i do think there are some services that are just hard to hard to copy um you know what do you how you fork um helium for example you can't because they got half million hotspots out there you can't fork it um how do you fork Solana? You know, how do you fork, um, uh, you know, Filecoin is another one. Like they get 15 exabytes of data storage capacity in the network. How do you fork that? So I think it's, it's we're probably going to rationalize the ecosystem around a few large at scale services. And then there'll be tons of like mini contenders trying to become a, a large scale service and some will make it, some won't. But um, my, my strategy is to try and pick winners in categories and back them all the way um, until they merge the category. Because I just don't, I don't see a world where you have 50 different GPU rendering farms like render network. You're going to have one, maybe two. You know, and maybe the big guys get into this and start trying to figure out how to do it. And that's going to take them forever. So I, I think that I, I like the notion that investing in crypto you're looking to find monopolies in crypto as weird as that sounds um but these monopolies will throw off massive um profits in the long term like every other industry we've seen and so you know again like helium's a great monopoly i mean helium there's nothing else like it it's unforkable um so they're, they're going to continue to build a monopoly it's probably a good investment um render is probably the same falcon is probably the same as well what about NFTs? Do you think uh, NFT as it currently is right now is going to stay or is it going to go into a different iteration? Uh, NFTs are just far too infancy. There's too many scams, cash grabs, all that stuff. Pump and dumps. People, people are pumping dumps. People are falling for it. Fake, fake trades, all, that, all the rest. This industry is going to evolve massively in the next five years. I've kind of stopped buying NFTs the past few months now. I got in obviously early. My first NFT purchases were back in like 2015 or something. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so I, I, even 2014, I can't remember. It was Spells of Genesis. I took part in that. Um, and, um, you know, got some crypto kitties in 2017. And, but it's changed a lot already. Um, I've, got, I've got two NFT projects I'm working with right now. I'm investing in a bunch of NFT uh, companies. I think it's going to evolve and change. I don't think you can, anyone can predict like with any level of certainty, what's going to happen. What would you like to see change? Like, what would you like to see change and what would you like to see happen off of NFTs? I, I'd like to see some sort of, so there's, there's a couple of things. Like from the business model side, I think um, NFTs become the future of software licensing. So instead of having a software license, you buy an NFT 
and that gives you access to all the features and whatever else and the services. And when you're done using it, you can sell it to someone else. And maybe there's a marketplace or maybe um, software companies create special license editions where your super users can have access to all the features and those things trade and they get a cut every time it resells and it's only a, a certain number available. So like digital scarcity gets created again with NFTs. Um, th that's what I, I'm excited to see. And I like the idea of verification of NFTs for profile pictures like Twitter and stuff. That's cool. Um, I'd, I'd really like to see more utility in NFTs by mainstream users. Right now it's very fringy. Like I have the NFTs that I'm busy staking and then earning coins on and taking those coins and restaking those and more. It's like, it's so it's very meta and most people don't do this shit. It's very geeky. And you think government regulation is, cause I, I talk about it with a lot of my friends. Oh, it's coming, it's it, coming. Government regulations for NFTs when, are coming. When do you think it's gonna come? 30 days, 60 days, 90 days soon. Wow. So then once there is government regulation, everyone's been doing this cash grab. I, I see the uh, IRS, the, the tax agency that we have here in the United States, coming after a lot of people internationally for this. So this is the interesting, this is the interesting thing. Like, if if anyone like was listening to this I, and from IRS or anywhere else, like, I think that NFTs are being used uh, you know, in the same way that art's used to you know av legally avoid taxes. So a lot of people are trading NFTs, it's not like, it's not tax evasion, they're doing it the way that the art world does. So, you know, the real the real thing is how do you close the art the art world's um, loopholes? How do you get out of all the, like, it's a, the art world is kind of a, you know, you buy this piece of art for 50K, then you sell it, you donate it to a museum for 300, you get a tax write-off, like, that's what they do, right? So in the same way that the art world's been basically, you know, taking taxpayer dollars, because of all this like fake mockups and, and people, you know, uh, and like, like the, the perfect story is that you create a collection of 20 items and you know, all your early people buy one, uh, your friends and family buy one. And then the one you put on auction at Sotheby's goes for 500 grand. So now all of a sudden everyone would pay 10 grand for something's worth 500. Then they go donate it to a museum or whatever. And then they get a tax write off of 490 grand. <laughs> like that's what happens in the art world. That's what's probably happening in NFT world as well to a large extent. And so, you know, uh, I, you know, my, my take would be fix the art sort of the art rules. Yeah. And by the way, it's not as simple. It's it's easier said than done. Like you try and go and change the tax rules as it applies to art, the art world and all the special interests and stuff. So you know what? Crypto people are just writing that out and they're saying, well, that's the rule that applies to to digital art and physical art and any form of art. So I, it's interesting. I want to see like what happens when someone sets up. I'm sure they've done already a, a registered museum in the metaverse or a metaverse where you can donate NFTs to that museum mm. and then get the tax right off for it. I mean, that's going to be kind of crazy. That would be this is what's happening. You can rent really things now, right? You can rent, right? You can still rent your NFTs. Yeah, you can, rent, you can rent. Yeah, you can, you can live, you know, borrow money against NFTs. You can do a whole bunch of things. Is the metaverse is what we're thinking about? Because we're still waiting for Facebook to drop their metaverse. Do you think there's going to be other competitors like Microsoft and all these other companies getting in this space? Or are they going to be the sole, I guess, monopoly in that area? I, I mean, my take on this is that, um, uh, you know, Facebook has made the bold move to rename as Meta and rebrand as Meta. I don't think they rebrand back to Facebook. <laughs> no. You know? And they got so the most data, too. Yeah. 
They, they exactly, and they know what's happening with the users. They've sold so many Oculus first. They know how many users are using what the what the usage is, etc. I think they're going to build out their metaverse. I think Microsoft will as well. But the metaverse isn't one company; is the environment. So, like, think of it like they have they have a verse, okay, a digital verse, and so at Microsoft, the metaverse is all of these things together, is working interoperably. And if they want to create wall garden, which is what exactly what they will, will be doing in Facebook, um, you know, there may be more value in being out of the Facebook metaverse because there's more value attributed to your assets in an open environment. So I think that they probably will move to some level of openness at some point, but I think initially it's going to be very close. Mm, makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. And do you feel that the the metaverse is going to have a bigger play later on down the road than crypto and NFTs, or or do you not feel that way? No, I think the metaverse is going to be the biggest play. I think it's just, we're, we're, we're basically five to 10 years and one pandemic worse than the COVID-19 from all of us being stuck in the metaverse. True. Because when, when that happens, when we have another major pandemic worldwide and we're in lockdown, like anyone who thinks it won't happen again is losing, is, is like, you know, you can be right, but you're probably wrong. And the reason is, um, COVID-19 wasn't that dangerous, okay, to the general population. So it affected all people and preconditions and stuff. Imagine you get a, a virus that's floating around where anyone, kids, adults, whoever, can be infected by it with or without masks. So it, it was like, you know, Omicron or Delta and penetrates masks and gets through. Guess what we're going to be doing? I'm locking my door. I'm staying at home. And if I have to go to a meeting in VR, I will do that because I won't leave the house if we have any bolos. If we have any bolo-style COVID virus out there, we're going to be trapped in the metaverse for a while. And so, so I think that that's probably like what, what Zuckerberg and the guys are thinking. is like, look, how do we create this digital world where if we have to withdraw from the physical world, we can go sit in the digital world for a while. And that's probably going to create some... Um, you know, it's a major opportunity because now instead of going, and Microsoft's trying to do this with their teams and stuff, right? So I have this like, you join a meeting room, everyone has their, you know, their, their avatar, you can have a meeting. I, this is probably going to happen at some point. And like, I, I really pray I don't have to go through another lockdown. Trust me. Kills me but like, is that what they want to happen? That's the question. Well, that's the thing. Like, I, you know, I don't, I don't think, I don't think Facebook wants it or anyone at Facebook wants it to happen. But I think everyone recognizes that it could happen. And even if it doesn't happen, the world's already changed. People travel less. People don't want to travel as much. If you can go to a VR meeting in, uh, you know, in Facebook, uh, in Horizons and Facebook, and um, and meet with a whole bunch of people from around the world in a virtual meeting room, you, I would rather do that than jump on a plane, travel twelve hours to go to some location that everyone can meet in, especially now with the prospect of war in Europe, like going through Europe is, I don't want to fly in a passenger jet over Ukraine, going anywhere. I mean, Russia's already shot down one passenger plane in the past decade, you know, by mistake. You know, like it can happen again. Like these are the, you know, this is not the time to be traveling. <laughs> and do you think that this war, if, if other nations do get dragged into this, you think there's going to be, oh, it's going to be just an isolated situation right now with Ukraine and Russia, or do you think this could possibly roll into something bigger and affect, you know, the crypto markets and all that? Because I'm seeing a lot of people going into Bitcoin as like a hedge against inflation. So what's your idea or your opinion on that? I think crypto is in for a bull run um, this year as a result of the war, partly. 
Uh, I think that, that the war is not going to end anytime soon. I think mean, Putin's going to go until he's totally demolished Ukraine, keep going. Um, I think the only option really in this war is um, you know, either Ukraine wins uh, and successfully defends their borders, which I don't think they can. I think Russia has overrun the place. Um, or the people of Russia become so isolated and cut off from the international community that they you know, they overthrow Putin and that they uh, they take control of the Kremlin and install new leadership. I, that's the only two outcomes. And anything other than that is going to be disastrous. Mm. If we have a situation where Putin says, okay, well, now we've got Ukraine, we're going to expand past that into a different border. We're going to go after, you know, another country. This is what, this is the concern. You know, people from Eastern Europe are all worried that Putin's coming for them. Well, and when, 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 when do you step in as, and then how do you step in? I mean, he's a nuclear arsenal, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you, how do you step in? This is a, this is a very tricky situation. I, I personally, the only, the only way is political pressure and, and sanctions and what's happening right now. We, you're basically freezing all the assets of all Russians outside the, of Russia. And um, I think that's probably, the, that's the safest part versus getting involved in a world war. Well, it's interesting that you're bringing that up because I do feel that crypto, will, well, specifically Bitcoin, will probably hit a hundred thousand because of this war. Because what, what do they do right now? Recently, to Russia, they just removed them off Swift, right? So, yeah, yeah. How are they going to be moving their money around within their country? I, you know, the ruble. I think, I think Bitcoin's going to hundred k this year. I think so too. I'm a hundred percent. I think Bitcoin will be hundred k. Yeah. What's yeah. On, what's another coin that you would bet on right now? I know oh, you know. Oh, yeah. There's Ethereum and. But what do you what do you what other coin coin do you say you would bet on? Look, my 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 favorite coins right now is um, Solana, Brenda, Filecoin. Uh, those are the top three in terms of like if you're gonna put together a portfolio and outside of Bitcoin Ethereum you wanted to add three others, I would add those three. Mm. Can you can you give me the specific and, and reasons? So Long-term. Well, I mean, so Filecoin is um, is the largest storage network in the world, and I think data storage on a decentralized scale is critical. And I think that you know they run IPFS as well. They built the protocol for IPFS. I think for a decentralized web three point world, I think Filecoin should win in the long term. Um, and uh, you know, you you got Arweave trying to compete, but I, I still think Filecoin uh, over the long term should win. And they, they are the bigger player right now, anyway, in terms of market cap. Um, uh, Renda, I think that the distributed GPU compute for the metaverse is is absolutely critical, and I don't think we're going to be able to run it to the metaverse without something like Renda on the back end. Um, and I think it's you know still reasonably cheap, you know, market cap wise. I think there's a lot of upside there. And then Solana is the the real challenge to Ethereum. It's the it's the real deal. It's a it's a fully layer one solution. I've known Anatoly for like. About four years nearly now, in terms of like the seed stage, one of the smartest guys I know in crypto. He understands exactly what needs to be built. He's very hands-on in, in in the protocol. He's got an amazing, amazing community of developers that are supporting him and building out the protocol. I think Solana is, from what I'm seeing in terms of developers all choosing platforms, the the smartest developers are going with Solana at the moment. And and you know, yeah, it's had some downtime and some issues here, but. Everything has over, over a long enough period, and uh, I think they're going to come out. Uh, I think it becomes number number one blockchain above Ethereum in the next three to five years. And what's each coin going for for right, right now currently? Solana is about ninety bucks. Uh, Filecoin is about twenty bucks, and Renda is about 
through 80 or three bucks. Okay. My biggest concern is, so what happens when the United States, South Africa, all these other countries start creating their own uh, coins? What happens to the Ethereum and the rest of these uh, these uh, cryptos? Um, no, nothing. I don't think that any country in the world is going to create smart contracting platforms, keep you rendering farms or storage mechanisms. So, so I don't think that happens. I think they, they will wrap currency on... Solana, like USDC, et cetera. And that's interesting and cool. Um, there's a use case for that. I don't think it's what the problems of crypto is trying to solve right now. I think stablecoin use cases will always be there. Simplified digital currencies will be there. Um, I, it's far more interesting to be focusing on what interesting things you can build on blockchain technology rather than trying to replace government money. Um, we have Bitcoin for that if it ever goes that direction. I just don't think it's, I mean, but Bitcoin is, is a good way, I think, at this point to, to kind of save and safely put away money because the downside risk is it, it's a very, very liquid market. So in the past couple of years, when I, when I go into Bitcoin in 2013, like 250,000 bucks would move the market price. Okay. That's not the case anymore. You have 250 million bucks to barely move it. So it's an extremely, extremely um, uh, liquid market. And so you won't find a better solution to compete with government money under the Austrian economics thesis, um, which I'm not a big fan of, but it is what it is. And so I'm like, I, obviously I own some Bitcoin. Everyone owns some Bitcoin. You kind of part of the community, you own some, you see how it goes. I don't hang my hat on, you know, Bitcoin going to millions of dollars so I can retire. I don't need that sort of gains, uh, you know, for retirement. Some people do. Some people are just like dreaming and hoping they, 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 you know, they five bitcoins, whatever becomes worth, you know, five million dollars, and that's I, like I wish everyone well. Hopefully, we, maybe we get there. Um, I'm just that's not interesting for me because that like the problem in the bitcoin world is that it's really focused around not building; it's focused around the money sort of side of things. And because of what happened in 2017 and the the block size debates and the scaling wars and all that stuff, people developers just wanted to go build stuff, you know, using blockchain. So they moved to Ethereum, Solana, whatever else. Um, and the cool applications today don't run on the Bitcoin blockchain. They run on those other blockchains. And so if you want to do cool stuff, great. If you want to just kind of hold some money safely and, you know, wait for the price to go up, Bitcoin is probably your best option. Um, but, but having said that, I think that there's obviously more upside in cheaper coins, um, multiple wise. Bitcoin is not going to go from 30K to 300K in, you know, a month or like a year easily. It could. Um, whereas you have other coins which are cheaper, which you know, have more upside. So it, it, everyone's different. I don't advise people like the, the, the newer you are to crypto, the more I tell people to buy Bitcoin. Mm. Like someone says to me and says, Hey, what do I do with my portfolio? It's like, well, how much do you want to invest in crypto? They go 10%. I'm like, okay, do this. Take 5%, leave the other five in cash, buy Bitcoin, Ethereum, Solana, whatever, you know, a few, a few half of it should be Bitcoin. 25% should be Ethereum, and then the rest can be Solana and some others, speculative, and then leave it for five years. And then what happens is if those prices that you're buying at drop 50 or 60%, I say 70% is like my target range, just go and put the other 5% in and you cost average. And then that's it. And then you're done. And you don't have to worry about it. But it's the people I worry about who put like 100% of their portfolio in, and then when it goes down 50%, they sell it all because they're so worried. Like you cannot take an all-in strategy on crypto with capital. You cannot do it. It's just too volatile. It doesn't make sense. Vinny, do you recommend business owners 
um, in any industry to start already adopting, um, and obviously there's some already, but do you encourage more to start adopting coins as part of receiving payment for their services or products? Do you recommend that already for any business? I will not be giving financial advice on this, on this, or any of my things, just like, this is my opinions, this is not advice. Um, depending on the country you live in, depending on the tax laws of your country, um, the way you should think about it is this. If you were gonna buy a Bitcoin for 45K, or you were gonna sell a vehicle for 45K um, to somebody, uh, you know, the you let's say you let's say you buy the vehicle for 30k and you sell it for 45 you're effectively buying the bitcoin for 30k because <laughs> your profits are sitting in the bitcoin and so that's why i tell people who run businesses you should accept cryptocurrency because you're able to apply those those cryptocurrency for for less really because you're selling you're swapping goods for the currency and the differential is margin which you could have had in cash but you know at that point, it's a lower risk for you because it's profit that's going into the coin. It gives you a little buffer for downside. I, I personally think that's the right way to do it. Tesla is going to be doing that now with, with Doge. Oh, yeah, I heard about so, that. So, so Tesla, Tesla is going to say, you know, like if Elon sells one percent of his vehicles using Doge, which would be amazing. You know, he's effectively buying Doge at a discount. Smart, smart move. Now, I want to bring it back to the Shark Tank because I'm sure people probably have asked you this, and I don't know if you can even bring it up. But um, what is the most successful investment that you made in the Shark Tank? In the uh, probably the most successful company you've invested in in that show. In the show, I think uh, Bloomable in South Africa is the online florist. It's the second largest, and that's done really well. Um, the other one, which is a failure, was Augmentors, which was a uh, NFT slash um, augmented reality gaming uh, company. We we funded it. We raised uh, the they did an ICO in 2016 or 2017. It didn't actually wind up working on. They couldn't get the game mechanics right. The development costs were too high. Whatever, killed it. Um, but we've announced that we're going to take all the assets and convert them to NFTs. And so you'll be able to own the actual um, characters and creatures. And it was years worth of development that went into that. So, you know, who knows? Maybe it becomes successful because it's one of the, you know, the sort of OG NFTs. All right. <laughs> So that, so yeah, we'll see. But those are those are the those are the two I bring oh, to that's mind. That's awesome. Well, Vinny, I, I know that was the first that was the first ever Shark Tank deal done in Bitcoin. Oh wow! And all in Bitcoin. So that wow. transaction was in Bitcoin, huh? It was Bitcoin. Yeah, that's Bitcoin. really cool. Oh wow! That's I didn't even know that. Has any other has, on the on the uh, Shark Tank over here? Has anybody ever done that? Not as far as I know. Wow. But so, someone, someone will do it at some point. Yeah, I bet. Man, Vinny, I got to say thank you so much. I know you're a busy guy and you got a lot of stuff going on. Um, I just personally want to say thank you for coming on, dropping your value, your knowledge, um, you know, in your space and what you've been able to do and create and uh, share that with our audience. Um, and I know Brian as well is, is definitely appreciative of that. Something we would like to do on, on, our, on our podcast is, is end it with, with a bang uh, with our last question is what is the single biggest piece of advice you can leave off to all our listeners today in one single sentence? You know, um, one single sentence would be um, make sure you've got, you know, you've got 12 months cash in the bank for rainy day expenses. I see too many people, um, you know, who just don't have enough cash and they, they fully invested and then things don't go as planned, markets crash, they lose investments, they don't have money for rent, they don't have money for anything, it's very stressful, it ruins lives. So, you know, as much as you're into investing and making money, 
keep cash. You know, uh, even if you have low interest rates on the cash, you can use DeFi to get better rates or Coinbase and uh, on USDC, etc. But you know, just keep cash because like we're in very uncertain times right now. And if you don't have cash and you're not liquid and, and you know shit hits the fan, uh, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully you won't be going. I should have listened to Vinny. <laughs> Man, Vinny, I appreciate the advice. I know all our listeners have too. Um, and guys, if you if, if you got tons of value out of this, just grab one single thing, start putting it into effect, apply it today, um, make it a habit, start trying things out, um, and, and let us know how it goes. Um, and most importantly, please share this video, drop a, a, a comment, leave a like, uh, leave us a review, leave us a rating, because the more love you show us, the more love we can show back. Till next time on the Sweat It Out podcast.